Hello, and welcome to Just Plain Wrong, the podcast for three Mennonite librarians who are all together in the same room (laughs) discuss depictions of Amish Mennonites and other plain groups in popular culture. I'm Erin, and I'm moderating this episode, and with me are Abby and Tilly. This episode, we will be discussing the 2008 movie Sex Drive, which we literally just finished like an hour ago, and we're just powering through and going straight into recording. So our opener today, we feel like we may have discussed this before, but we can't find any evidence that we have. So if this is a repeat, we apologize. <laughs> and I, as I said, this is, this is your fault, listener. You've been encouraging us to go on long enough that we're probably going to just start repeating ourselves. So <laughs> apologies. Apologies. But yes, uh, a central part of the plot of the movie Sex Drive is a road trip with friends that takes them from Madison, Wisconsin to... No, 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 from... Near Chicago. Oh, near Mm. Chicago, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're in Wisconsin. Uh Anyway, to Knoxville, Tennessee, and with a, you know, relevant to our interests, a little detour into Amish country along the way. So let's talk about our favorite road trip memories. Who wants to start? I can start. Okay. The one that immediately came to mind, uh, I do love a good road trip, and I feel like I've been on several good ones. But the one that comes to mind is when I went with um, one of my best friends, Meryl, and we drove from, I think we started in Seattle. We drove down I-5 to Portland, and then we went down the 101, I think is the coastal route, mm-hmm. down to the Redwoods in California. And it was just a lot of fun. It was just the two of us, and we bring out each other's goofy sides, and it was just a delight. Although on the way back, I remember we we went back via I-5 just for timing, and ended up having a giant traffic jam. And because this was during the summer, I'm pretty sure, and I think there was wildfires that were near the highway or something, and so there was just like massive backlog, and I remember being very hot and very tired of being in a car and I remember pulling over and getting DQ and it was the best ice cream I've ever had. <laughs> so that's my memory. It's a good thing you weren't driving a buggy. <laughs> For many reasons, yes. Yeah. But I'm very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tilly? This I've had a lot of kind of shorter Small road trips in college, not thinking of any that were particularly distinct because they usually just involve going to stay at friends' houses. But one I did more recently, by more recently I mean I think within the last five years, (laughs) was with my cousin Eliza. Uh, Just the two of us drove up to visit my grandmother and family members in Ontario and then decided that since we had never left the province of Ontario, we needed to do that. So we ended up in Quebec. Montreal, Quebec City, also um, Gananoque Islands along the way, uh, visiting several relatives, kind of just playing it entirely by ear. Um, it was a really good time. We stopped when we wanted to. We justified mm. ice cream at least once a day. <laughs> um, yeah. We need more times like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like Abby, I love a good road trip and... Especially in my early 20s, I took a lot of them with friends. Your story reminded me of a time 
where a friend and I drove from Huntington Beach, California to Portland, and we were renting a car and we made a joke with the guy, you know, you're renting the cheap one. And we're like, what about that convertible? Could we just take that? And this guy hated his job. And he was like, yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) And so my friend Erica and I drove up. We took the five because we were in a hurry. Like we wanted to get to Portland as fast as possible. It was, I don't, I think it was some sort of Mitsubishi, very small. Like we could barely fit our suitcases in it. It was incredibly impractical. And we didn't know what we were doing with the convertible either. I'm pretty sure we like broke the roof at one point and we were like expecting for months afterwards, like a bill from Enterprise. Never got one. Just like, thank God for that kid who hated his job. And we happened to get to Portland, like, it was one of the hottest weeks, like, they in, in Portland, where I now live, so I can attest to this, it's, like, really mild weather, but, like, a couple weeks every year, it gets super hot, and, like, no one has air conditioning. So Eric and I get to town, and it is, oh, I don't know, 100 degrees, and we're cruising around in our little convertible. We drove through the night, so we're delusionally tired. Yeah, it was a great visit. It was during the Summer Olympics, uh, oh. so uh, we did a lot of uh, toasting to Michael Phelps. I mean, this isn't, actually isn't the story I was going to tell, but uh, we're just going to roll with it. One of one of many great road trips, and I, I still love that. Like having just flown to get to this podcast summit, like I love the efficiency of flying, but man, I get so bored, and I just I think I would prefer if I had the time, like if I didn't have a, you know a job and mm-hmm. life responsibilities, I think I would really rather drive 40 hours than mm. <laughs> sit in that plane where I can't move. But you can get into the train. The train's oh, a really nice, really nice kind train. of in between. Yeah. You have much more room. You can walk around. Mm-hmm. But you're not the one mm-hmm. operating the vehicle. So you can that's also true. do things like yeah. read a book. Because that's the downside of the road trip is mm-hmm. you have to like, you know, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Upside of the road trip is that if you decide you want to detour to go see a yes. giant corn cob or... Uh-huh ball of twine or something mm-hmm. you can make that happen yeah though i always feel like i have great ambitions on a road trip of yeah we're gonna do all these little side trips and then in the moment we're like oh but then it's gonna take us two more hours to get <laughs> yeah. go. and we skip yeah. all those steps yeah. uh, so uh because we just recorded or because we just watched this uh i don't have a you know, beautifully written summary to share. So we'll just sort of like tag team this and we'll, we'll get through it. So Sex Drive came out in 2008 and I do have a note on my phone of all of the fun 2008 res- references uh, that <laughs> felt a little dated in 2023. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the premise is this group of three friends. Ian is our main character and his two friends, Lance and Felicia, and they're teenagers and they are... Are we allowed to say the word horny? <laughs> I think so. Yes. We're going to have to. to talk We're going to have to say. You can also say hormonal. There you yes. go. And they are hormonal and yeah, sex is a, a big theme of this book and who is having it and who is not having it. And and the movie that the book is based on. Yeah. Oh, that's right. This is based on a book. Versa, actually, mm-hmm. I was trying to correct you and then I just mm-hmm. flipped it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how in the details we want to get. So, but... Um, a fun thing about Ian, well, first of all, he's a virgin, which is probably the most important piece of the plot line, even though in real life, none of us would care. Mm-hmm. But Ian is a virgin, and this concerns him, and to be frank, his friends and brother and, and all of these people who seem to just really care about his 
<laughs> I don't know. Yes. He, uh, he has a part-time job working at a Mexican donut shop at the mall where he gets to wear a donut costume, which I only mention because it resurfaces several times in the movie um, and is actually one of the more humorous parts. Lance, it, throughout the beginning, he like is trying to get with various girls. And according to his friend Lance, he doesn't have any luck because he is too nice. Which, if any young teenagers are listening to this podcast, just... And I hope you're not, because we're discussing horny teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> but that's bull. That's yes, that's bull. Total nonsense. Be nice to women. It is the better option. Yeah. He has a big crush on his friend Felicia. He thinks that Felicia is about to confess her feelings to him. But then it turns out she doesn't have a crush on him. And anyway, all of this leads to a road trip to Knoxville because Ian is uh, IMing slash being catfished by Mm -hmm. a woman in Knoxville who convinces him to steal his brother's GTO judge car and meet her in Knoxville. Does someone else want to jump in? So... I guess another little thing here is it does, it's also kind of heavily implied slash I think shows up that they, that Felicia has a crush on Lance. So there's a bit of a love triangle going on. I guess not fully love triangle because Lance and Ian are just friends. But anyways, um, so they start off on this road trip and there's shenanigans along the way. But the one that probably interests us the most is of the... They do end up driving through a cornfield um, due to bad decisions made primarily by Lance. And then they um, the car breaks down. And who should come along their way but Ezekiel, played by Seth Green, who is the local Amish mechanic, who is also a car expert, and <laughs> tows their car uh, behind his buggy and takes them to his barn where his crew of his Amish pit crew come out and offer to repair the car and it will go into more detail with this character but anyways and he says oh next door there's like a party and they go next door and it is a fallout boy concert <laughs> yeah predominantly attended by Amish youth on Rumspringa mm-hmm. um, who keep yelling Rumspringa, Rumspringa! <laughs> which honestly felt Probable, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> plausible at least. Yes, and um, and then so the the car gets repaired. Oh, you need to mention that Lance, who up until this point in the movie is a bit of a like, he doesn't look like a player, but he's yes. like that nerdy vibe. Yes. But very, he has very good luck with women, but he yeah. sort of has love at first sight with Mary, yes. a young Amish. Amish. Amish girl. Who is apparently on Rumspringa, um, I guess. A little confusing there. But anyway, so they they so they so have a newly... The next morning, um, they get into their newly repaired car. And they thank Ezekiel profusely. And he implies that while they don't need to pay him anything, <laughs> they should maybe do some chores around the place. And uh, they say, oh, yeah, sure. We'll do that on the way back. And I will hand it off to Tilly. Yeah, and so there's continual debate as they they go on their way and have a few more stopovers, including at a I guess a county fair, uh, where there's a Ian has a short flirtation with someone who turns out to be in a very sexually suggestive dance group promoting abstinence, <laughs> which is admittedly pretty funny, um, and. 
After they get out of that, they end up in jail because they have been doing street racing and have not only have they been racing cars and dangerously, they have hit a a possum and then needed to kill the possum to put it out of its misery. And then they're also accused of animal cruelty. Uh, After they all sort of have, I think, I guess, eureka moments while sitting in jail about how other parts of their life are less bad or something. I guess they just, they everyone has an audience to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get bailed out by Mary the Amish girl, who <laughs> realizes that she misses Lance and has his cell phone number and has called him uh, and, and learns that he's in jail. So she has come to fetch him. We don't really know how she got there or where they are, but you know, that's, that's a side, side thing. And then they end up in Knoxville. Uh, and the big debate is, is Ian going to meet this... Miss Tasty. Miss Tasty. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, everyone, to be fair, is fairly sure he's being catfished. That's not the word they're using, but they're all like, yeah, the odds are that this person isn't real. Uh, but it turns out that Miss Tasty is real. And then it turns out that she's running a scam where she gets... Finds men with good cars on the internet, gets them to come to her, and then she and her boyfriend carjack them. Mm-hmm. And this culminates in Rex, Ian's older brother who has Lojack on the car, coming to get the car. A side character who wants to beat up Lance for sleeping with his ex-girlfriend, also in the parking lot. And then the carjackers, plus some random side characters who are just yeah. kind of horrible insult people. And Ian in um, his donut costume. Yeah, and Ian, having uh, had all of his possessions stripped from him except for the donut costume, <laughs> arrives at the scene in the donut costume, body slams someone, gets a hold of a gun, and manages to actually kind of fold things together until the cops arrive, though he does shoot someone in the leg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, And then, of course, he and Felicia realize that they've been avoiding their feelings for one another and then instead of confessing them they say you love me and then she says you love me and then they're both like yeah and then everything is fine yeah and then apparently lance joins the amish uh in the epilogue so yeah that's uh that's yeah, definitely going to happen. Even though he's in high school, so <laughs> yes. none of us are quite sure yes. how that works out. Yes. I suppose the other relevant relevant, or sort of relevant thing that happened in the epilogue is that Ian's older brother, who had been a big jerk and just fountain of toxic masculinity throughout. Homophobia. Yeah, mm-hmm. and full of homophobia, comes out as gay, which mm-hmm. we, I think, have a lot of thoughts mm-hmm. and feelings about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, played by James Marsden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. We should also probably know before we get into this conversation that while our discussion will not be explicit, this film was definitely explicit. So um, it's rated R and or I assume it was rated R for good reason. So So, um, just as a caveat, if you are considering uh, watching it, be prepared. All right. Well, I don't think we really have enough material to discuss uh, accuracies and inaccuracies. I think it's pretty obvious that the fallout boy showing up <laughs> at a rumspringa party is fairly inaccurate. Other other random Amish details you'd like to comment on? Well, the clothing was particularly bad, <laughs> as was the fake beard. 
Um, Mary with her long hair yeah. flowing. <laughs> underneath, her, the, underneath the bonnet. bonnet. Yeah, also the Amish girls who <laughs> flashed the people at the concert. Um, oh, yeah. Probably mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. Yeah. super accurate. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I wanted to find an accuracy or something that I appreciate anyway about the Amish characters, is that at least Seth Green's character, like kept doing the sort of passive-aggressive sarcasm thing yeah. with everyone, so they'd be like, do you, do you know what the internet is? And he'd be like, internet? Like, well, so this thing was computers, and he'd say, computers? <laughs> and then, like, they would always fall for it, and he'd be like, uh-huh. nah, like, I, I've been on Rauschbecker. Like, yeah. I kind of miss it. Yeah. I know what a computer is. I know what the internet is. <laughs> like, and I know how to fix your car, more importantly, and uh-huh. conveniently to this plot. And I feel like if they, I mean, they're unclear as to where in Indiana they are, but if they're in northern Indiana, where a lot of Amish might be working in our, I mean, it seems unlikely that the Amish would be able to run like a full mechanic shop out of their barn, (laughs) but it's not also the realm of possibility that an Amish person would actually know how to fix a Mm -hmm. car. And the car does at one point get entirely disassembled and... (laughs) At least we as an audience were like, oh, they're going to sell the parts. This is like a scrap shop of some kind. Uh, but then it always turned out to be, you know, better than better mm-hmm. than ever. The like, car was always running. But like, yeah, I could see a small, small fix being totally within the realm of people who know how to deal with like an engine or fix some coolant or, yeah. you know, like to an extent, depending on your knowledge <laughs> of... of Machines, you know, lawnmowers and cars and tractors and stuff. I believe you could at least figure things out far enough to get to a bigger mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I believe that they can undo dents and like respray, you know, the paint job, red paint job. Mm-hmm. But it also seems not. I I don't know if it's accurate or inaccurate, but like the whole like we'll do it for free, but we yeah, <laughs> but it's. I loved the kind of like I mean in my mind considering like pretty much everyone else was like not great characters or teenagers who were making mostly bad decisions like yeah Ezekiel the Amish mechanic person was in my mind the best character because he did kind of like he always kept you guessing there was a sense of like Wait, why are you just doing this for free? Or are you making, are you trying to get me to pay you money? I, I just, I liked that kind of like, it just felt like he was playing with the other characters, which I found amusing and mm-hmm. enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It all goes back to when he was asked what he missed most uh, about English life for being Amish. Uh, the first thing he mentioned was sarcasm, which he feels is a bit lost on his people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else to comment on with. I mean, in a way, I Mary, the girl who ends up with Lance, I guess they have a brief dalliance at the Fallout Boy Barn concert, <laughs> and and then Lance leaves and is like, "Oh, I'll leave you my number," and she's like, "No, like my rent is done. I need to like." not do any more of this. I was like, wow, that was like the last night of your rumspringer or something? Like, because you have your hair out and you were attending a concert. You're clearly, like, on it right now or you're breaking it. Mm-hmm. And then when she follows up later, she does say, like, this conduct will get me shunned. And I was like, okay, so maybe she's joined and she's just flabbing the rules. Mm-hmm. 
In which case, shunning could happen. Like, that's actually, it's a sidebar, but it's one of the slightly more realistic depictions of shunning we've seen. And that it's like, yeah, if you do go bail someone out of jail and hook up with them in a motel with weird themed rooms and hang your hair down, you know, whatever, then probably there's going to be some level of, like, change to follow the rules or atone and come back and follow the rules or you will get shunned. Mm-hmm. So I also appreciate it. I think this is probably the only piece of media we've ever watched that had no like Amish adults. It was just apparently a group of Amish youth on Rumspringer or I guess Ezekiel was the only adult around. Mm-hmm. So it was like clearly a community but the whole idea that it was entirely like Amish youth on Rumspringer and no like a community beyond that that they glimpsed um, mm-hmm. was amusing. So, I guess moving on from that, <laughs> the main, mm-hmm. our main, the main gist of our discussion is the Amish pieces, but that was really only, what, like 15, 20 minutes of the movie? So let's talk about our primary romance and how cringy and embarrassing and all the things it was to watch this, like, it was both cringy and embarrassing because it took place in 2008 and thankfully we've progressed in a lot of ways as a, so- a society and some things just didn't hold up. But it was also just really cringy to watch like that flashback to that time where like you're afraid to talk about your feelings and you're just like a ball of emotions. And anyway, so let's talk about Ian and Felicia and anyone else you'd like to talk about and whatever you feel like chatting about. <laughs> yeah, I- This did make me feel old, because I think even when I was this age, this was so far away from who I was that it's hard to fully grasp. But yeah, I just felt like it's interesting because I spent most of the movie very much disliking Lance because it seemed like so much of his, the the, the foundation of his like coolness and his appeal was the idea that he was kind of a jerk. But yet the movie did reveal that kind of underneath that he does have this like, actually a really good friendship with with Ian. Like, I don't quite understand how Lance... It doesn't sound like in many ways that Lance and Felicia necessarily have a strong friendship, although it's implied at one point that Felicia likes Lance. But anyways, I do like... Basically, I guess I would say, underneath many things I did not like, mm-hmm. the kernel of, like, male friendship and the importance that, yes, just, like, anybody, no matter your gender, needs good close friends, especially at this time of your life when so much is confusing and so much is heightened, having people that you can connect with, you know, who are you, who who are your peers is important. So I can also definitely tell that I'm old now because when I was watching this, I was thinking about, oh my goodness, what if my children were like this when they grew up (laughs) as opposed to defaulting to my own youth. So uh, I think that clearly points to uh, I am I am no longer young I guess <laughs> or at least I am now further I, I now identify with the parental generation and mm-hmm. not the not the generation undergoing yeah. these experiences yeah yeah I mean I just want to say that the instant Felicia walked on screen I was like oh he's ending up with her by the end of the movie oh yeah which I mean I think we all got that vibe and I mean I found it Frustrating that Felicia, I think, knew she liked Ian, but was also not willing to act on it. 
And she knew that Ian liked her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she was the only Ian missing piece. Ian did not piece. know that. Yeah. She, she had the full picture. Yeah. And was afraid of losing him as a friend, which I can understand. Ian, I was mostly frustrated with because he really did know better. Like, Lance would tell him stuff and he'd be like, but that's not me. Like, I don't want to nag a girl. Or, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to insult women in order to get them to sleep with me. Or, you know, like, these, these things are just not the way I want this to happen. Like, I don't really care about my own virginity, but everyone else does, so I guess I should do this. So so there's some peer pressure there, but he still kind of routinely was a dumb teenage boy mm-hmm. who did, on occasion, say stupid crap to women, mm-hmm. uh, especially online. And I'd be like, oh, I'm so bad at this. And I'm like, yes, yeah, no one should be good at this. Mm-hmm. This is like... You just shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Not much to add. It felt, going back to what Abby was saying about Lance, well, until your comment about negging, I don't think negging was a term yet in 2008, but like definitely like baby incel vibes. Mm -hmm. Like we get women by being mean to women. Ugh, don't like Mm -hmm. that. Furthermore, we deserve to get women. Oh, yes. By being mean. And it doesn't matter how we get them. Mm-hmm. Like, honesty is not a, not a thing that matters in this mm-hmm. exchange. Mm-hmm. And then with Felicia and Ian, but yeah, like, the, the frustrating thing with Felicia is, like Tilly said, he, he she had the full picture, and she knew what her feelings were and was afraid to act on them, and then, like, refused to, like, she ran interference anytime Ian tried to pursue something else. Mm-hmm. And to be fair to Felicia, she's a teenage girl, and no one knows how to deal with feelings at that age. But <laughs> And she was able to recognize that Ian was maybe acting like, out of peer pressure versus what he actually wanted. So I think she was coming from a good place, but it was frustrating to watch on screen and be like, girl, you can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) what else do we want to talk about? Um, We should probably talk about this. I don't know how we're going to talk about it, but this movie was really crass and really raunchy. Mm -hmm. Like, I think the closest we've come to something like this is Kingpin. Yeah. So how did this compare to that? How are we? Yeah. I don't know if it's because I had better expectations of Kingpin, knowing the cast, Mm -hmm. like just being like, you know, look look at this roster. Mm -hmm. Bill Murray was in it, and his character was also like, lecherous and creepy, like many of the side characters in Sex Drive. Mm -hmm. But that one, I think, really pushed people, its characters, into, like, kind of the depths of despair and, like, crummy humanity. Mm -hmm. And this one felt better because the situations were cringy or bad, but, you know, they were teenagers. So there there was some just resilience there. It was like, oh, you're learning how to handle all the things they get thrown at you in life. And so I'm just less worried for them. And then I, you know, like there was, especially the first half, like everything pre-Amish, I just didn't care for. <laughs> like was, The first 10 minutes were hard. The first 10 minutes yeah. were pretty hard. I was... And anything yeah. <laughs> with the older brother, I was really Ooh. not okay with. And I think for this, for its time, it was probably trying to make a point about... 
I don't know, being open and accepting and, and like, non-judgmental, but because you never know what other people are hiding, which is... Which is true. Like, you don't know that Lance is kind of a secret softie who is willing to become Amish, and you don't know that Ian <laughs> wants to be a veterinarian and will cry when he has to put down a possum, and <laughs> you don't know that um, mm-hmm. Rex is the older brother? Yeah. Rex is gay, and he's projecting a lot of things onto his younger brothers about how they can't be gay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I just... It's just another scenario of like the side character gets to be one note through all the, the entire movie and then in the end credits they get to have a different thing which i guess is better than no representation uh, i'm not convinced because there was just too much use of slurs and i yeah. yeah i don't i think you have a good point about like the kind of hidden sides of lance and ian and maybe some of that but yeah, I don't think that this movie earned anything back from its homophobia and sexism mm-hmm. by having the epilogue be, oh, wait, the guy who was a big jerk was actually gay himself. I don't think they earned anything with that mm-hmm. reveal. I think they still, yeah, like, I would not. Yeah, I, I, I think it's similar. I remember, I think of the Kingpin, I was, I did really didn't like that movie and this one I did not like in the sense that I'm not going to watch it again and would not recommend (laughs) it but I did laugh more with this one Mm -hmm. than I did with Kingpin and I don't know whether it was just because the humor was like a decade closer to now and therefore connected better I think maybe it was also just a little more like there just were more jokes um Mm -hmm. even though yeah, I just hate when embarrassment and ridicule is played for laughs. And so much of the humor in this movie was built on those. And mm-hmm. I don't like that at all. Yeah, I agree with both of you. Tilly, I think you really nailed it with the, like, Kingpin is adults sinking into really dark places. Mm-hmm. And that is hard to, at least I think for all of us, that is hard mm-hmm. to find funny. Whereas yeah. this was teenagers in ridiculous situations and, like, the cringy stuff, it was also just gross. And mm-hmm. I think that's maybe what it had a little bit in common with Kingpin, yeah, is that there's yeah. just certain things that you're like, there was, yeah. why? It was, like, too many dudes in a writing room throwing jokes at a wall. And it's like, these, half of these did not need to be in the movie, because mm-hmm. they didn't hold up. Yeah. Yeah. And, unfortunately, most of them I don't think we can actually talk about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the funniest ones we probably definitely can't. Yeah. I will say, I was... I. I was skeptic, like, I don't know. I don't know Seth Green from a lot of things, but I can't mm-hmm. say they're things I've been super impressed by. And he was somehow the best part of this movie. Yeah, and was. that was shocking. He, mm-hmm. I thought, played a very, um, I mean, Tilly pointed out in a side conversation, he didn't even try to do an accent, which I think yeah. we all appreciated because it was yeah. better than a bad accent. Yes. And yeah, he delivered his lines. Like he, he had some funny moments he called himself an Amish flout law, which mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Uh, and at one point, sees some. Uh, he sees Ian and Felicia walking along the road, and just yells out, "What up, English?" And I, I don't know. I might try and work that into my. <laughs> <laughs> what up? I forgot somehow, in you know, the last fifteen years that that was the phrase, like the "what up" with the the D sound in there. Mm-hmm. What up? What? Oh, 
that's perhaps something we should do before reviews is run through my list of 2008 things that are no longer relevant in 2023. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't feel like that long ago, but they reference Clay Aiken, who oh, would have been yeah. a like a relatively recent American Idol winner. Mm-hmm. I am, which I think is still around, but was definitely bigger then. Uh, they hang out at the mall a lot. Yeah. <laughs> they reference blogs and MySpace. Uh-huh. Digital cameras, and I. one of my favorites is that they talk about the Google Maps, and by that they mean maps they actually printed out. And yes. I was like, yes, that yes. is, that is that so on even, point for well, 2008. In addition to blogs, they also had a screenshot, like one of the things that one of them does that's embarrassing ends up on YouTube, which would uh-huh. have been like just, like I think YouTube Early too. days, yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah, clearly cutting edge for 2008. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, many times like the digital camera coming out was... Because the, the kids didn't have, they didn't have, did they, they had phones, but I don't think they were smartphones. Well, they, they certainly were, yeah, smartphones. Yeah. smartphones. I'm like, did they have phones? Yeah, they, they looked did. more like Blackberry, Blackberry phones, you know, like where they were starting to get full keyboards, but not, mm-hmm. not, um, touchscreen quite yet. Mm-hmm. And I did relate to the maps in the pocket too, mm-hmm. because I had, I had an actual like Atlas and local map in my car when I started to drive, but I did a lot of MapQuest printing out. Every combination of every point of interest to every other point of interest, just like stacked and shoved into my glove box. In case I wanted to go from church to a friend's house or from one friend's house to another friend's house or, you know. Was it MapQuest or was it the Google Maps? Uh, It was definitely MapQuest. Actually, if we're looking for things to rate this, I think we should write it out of how many Google Maps. Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Well, are there any other random moments or scenes? Oh. Uh, there was bad farming. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Rather, first, first, as they start their montage, I guess they're from... Well, first they said they're from Chicago, and then someone says near Chicago. So Chicago land is massive, so we don't actually know where they're from. But they're driving around, and they're clearly getting into the countryside and this is the middle of summer and the corn is green and then they cut to b-roll of someone harvesting and that's just like (laughs) and then at one point there are side characters that are driving after lance who is running away naked in a cornfield handcuffed to bed and everyone is just really okay with driving through the cornfield, which in the, the SUV I can see happening, but I'd also just be like, you wouldn't ruin corn that way. And then in there, and then the the car that they have, the GTO judge, like, I just don't believe mm-hmm. it's just too low to the ground. Mm-hmm. Field's going to be bumpy and you'll be able to knock over corn, but like only to a certain degree. Even if you're going... So it, it does make sense that their car breaks down after they get through the field. I just don't think it would have gotten all the way through the field. <laughs> like, like, they would have gotten partway in and had lost enough momentum and then have corn stalks, corn stalks stuck up into the engine. I just... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So something would have happened, but maybe not a blown head gasket on the car. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I just imagine we're just stuck in mud or... Yeah, no, that seems more likely. I I was shocked they never, like, I know that there's areas in rural Indiana where there wouldn't even be, like, a little fence, but I feel like most fields have, like, a, you know, at least some sort of fence to keep, like, try and keep deer and other animals, like, at least create some sort of barrier, but maybe. Maybe less than they used to. I mean, a lot of those can be havens for, well, they can be good havens for different animals that need protection and barriers for things like 
drifting pesticides, but they can also uh-huh. limit the size of your field and then uh, reduce production. So a lot of people rip them out. Oh. Well, there you have it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tilly Matilly. <laughs> I mean, I did like one of the background Amish characters kept sticking her hands up in the air, making like the rock <laughs> sign going, Rob Springer! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and her timing was always funny. Like that was that was one of the jokes that I thought was like harmless and funny, and I laughed every time it happened. Yes, yeah. agreed. Yep. All right. Well, let's rate this thing. Um, I'm going to take Abby's suggestion and say we rate it on a, a scale of one to five. The Google Maps. The Google Map. Should we look up what we rated Kingpin, or does our ratings don't matter, so it doesn't matter? <laughs> I'm a little curious now. I mean, I'm pretty sure I gave Kingpin. I like, think we all gave a one or less, this. honestly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> were we all under one? We're all like 0.5. Abby was 0.5. You and I gave it a two. <laughs> like, really? yeah. We must have found more. I think we found the final scenes with the Bill Murray and the hair, like enough to bump it up slightly. Or at that point, we were just desperate enough for something to like that we. Bumped but I like down. two two. Point five. five. I was like, what is the lowest <laughs> I could give it? Yeah. Um, I do think overall, I like this better than Kingpin. Like, I found a little bit more merit in the storyline. I actually kind of cared about the main characters. I thought the Amish bits were ridiculous enough that I didn't care about the accuracy. Um, and in a way, I think they walked the line better between... Because they, they just put everything under the header of Rumspringa, I think it let me relax a little. And also, to be honest, like, when we started this podcast, this was one of the first things that made it on the list. And I remember <laughs> my oldest brother recommending it to me. He said, it's not a good movie, but Seth Green's pretty funny. <laughs> he was right. He was, he was right. right. Yeah. And... I think I had low expectations and then it exceeded them. It's the reverse of Kingpin where I had high and then it mm-hmm. fell below. So the fact that there was some goofy hum- humor and some physical humor and some like sincerity on the part of the characters, I think pulled it out of the gutter for me. Um, that being said, yeah, I don't plan on watching it again. I wouldn't really recommend it to other people. Or if I did, if you really want to watch it, just jump straight to the part with the Amish and then watch the second half of the movie. The um, Amish first half is not worth it. The Amish show up at, uh, I believe, around the forty-minute mark. Yeah, so basically <laughs> halfway. Yeah. Um, yeah. That everything that happened after that, like I did think that the showdown in the donut costume was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It's still dated. I don't know. I guess I'll go. It deserves a higher rating than Kingpin, so I'll do 2.5. <laughs> anyway, Abby, we know you didn't like this movie. <laughs> did you like it better than Kingpin? I did like it better than Kingpin. So I think I will give it one whole additional The Google Maps. So I'll give it a 1.5. <laughs> oh, that's a big jump. With the caveat that I don't really recommend you watch it. I think to me, it's like, I, I did enjoy the humor. And if they wanted to make a version that removed... Like, just so much of the, like, there's so much sexism. And it's like, I feel like by the end, I was like, okay, well, maybe these teens will be okay. But that is in spite of everything around them and not, like, 
yeah, not about necessarily huge growth. I just feel like, yeah, there was just, I, I found it, yeah, harder to forgive some of the other stuff in the, in the movie, but it did, it did make me laugh. Like I laughed at good number of the jokes. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm just running through in my head, like cut out the first 10 minutes, start with the opening at the mall where he's in his donut costume. Mm-hmm. And take out all of the, like the two minute montage of just like snippets of like young teenage women's body parts. Yeah, that could all go. Take out that whole gas station scene that was completely. I mean, yeah. frankly, eliminate James Marsden's character. Yep. Not central to the plot. Uh-huh. Gets rid of. Like, just. You, it could have been. Yeah. Ugh, so much better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I think I've chimed in on both of your reviews with basically my opinions. Uh, I'll go with Tilly. Yeah, with Tilly and give it 2.5 because I do think it was. More enjoyable, slightly less cringy overall. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it's so, like, I, I do feel frustrated because I feel like it could have been so much yeah. better. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I give it 2.5. Mm-hmm. And like you both said, not sure I recommend it, but, you know, if you watch it and want to tell us what you thought, let us know. <laughs> All right. So thanks for listening to this week's episode on Sex Drive. We'd love to hear your thoughts on <laughs> better, better teenage coming of age movies. Yeah, better teenage road trip movies. Things Amish, that, Amish car mechanics. Things that came from two thousand eight that had a better, <laughs> better aging than this one. All right, as well as your corrections, recommendations, and other mu- musings. We are not quite sure how in our scheduling this movie er, ended up. After our conversation with John Roth, and now it will be before our conversation next week with, or in two weeks, with Sophia Samatar on her memoir, The White Mosque. But here we go. We are John Roth, Sex Drive, Sophia Samatar. (laughs) We're so sorry. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at PlainWrongPod or email us at PlainWrongPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to help support us financially, we have merch for sale at TeePublic and a Patreon that you can join. And we always appreciate when people leave reviews and subscribe as that is how other people learn this podcast exists. Thanks for tuning in.